everyone, and welcome to our, to our service this morning. It's not so icy, but it's very cold and windy and wet. But uh, I have just a couple of announcements uh, to give you. Um, first of all, um, thank you for everyone who prayed for us last week um, with prayer space and all that was going on. Unfortunately, prayer space, you may have heard, we had to, it had to be cancelled simply because of the, the weather conditions and the risk assessment of the school was that it was too dangerous for the children to walk in the ice to come up here. But maybe we'll have another occasion, maybe towards Easter, that we can, can do it again. But thank you for your prayers and thank you for your prayer support for last weekend as well, the Christmas Tree Festival. Um, our carol service with our special guest, the moderator, the Right Reverend John Kirkpatrick, will take place this evening at half past seven. So please come along and support that. Next Sunday's Christmas Day service takes place at 10 a.m. Um, and the children can bring along a little toy and we'll have a look and see what Santa has brought them. Okay, and it is just a, a short uh, family service. Uh, at 10 o'clock. The New Year's Day service will start as normal at 11 a.m. and the following Sunday, the 8th of January, will be our communion service. Uh, this morning the Youth Fellowship have some Christmas tree ornaments uh, in the vestibule and uh, they're collecting donations in aid of a very good cause, ca uh, Cancer Research UK. So you can have a wee look at those as you go out uh, th this morning. Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And I was watching people yesterday standing in Bloomfield Shop Center, and I was watching them going past, and I said to Elaine, what stress people put themselves under for one day, for Christmas Day. Um, there are many preparations, obviously, to be made, the trifle to be made, and You've got to uh, decorate the house, we wrap the presents, we buy the TV guide, what well, we used to, we visit the graveyards, we stock the freezer, we fill the sweetie box, and we make the stuffing, and we boil the broth, and we visit friends and family who perhaps we haven't seen since last Christmas. Uh, and all this is so we can sit down on Christmas Day and stuff our faces and enjoy Christmas Day one day, which goes as quick as any other day. But what we're looking at today are the preparations which God made for the birth of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, which would affect people's lives, not just for one day each year, but for all eternity. So let's, let's just pray now as we give the service over to God. Father, how easy it is to be off-center at Christmas time. So easy to rejoice in the celebrations more than rejoicing in your son himself. And may we invite you today, Lord, to make yourself the center of our praise, the center of our celebration, and may such joy engrave itself on our hearts, not just for this, uh, not just for this Christmas, this season, but for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand and we're going to uh, sing In the Bleak Midwinter.
going to ask John Hogston to come and he's going to do our first reading for us. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 23. So if you have a Bible handy, if you want to open it uh, to Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 23. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving at as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, when Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy to, and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will, will he bring back sorry, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom and righteousness, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zachariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old wife and my I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true in, at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. Thanks be to God. 
Thank you, John. I'm going to uh, invite Ben to come up, and he's going to interview John. John is back from Cape Henry Bible School, uh, so Ben's just going to find out a wee bit about what he's been doing there, uh, so we can pray intelligently for him in the future. Hello? Hello? Okay, good. Uh, Morning, folks, and morning, John. Morning. John, it is so good to see you once again. I'm sure many of us have been wondering where you know, you've been for the last four months. So do you want to tell us where you've been? I know, I've just been off gallivanting throughout the fields for the last four months. I'm just kidding. Um, I've been at Capering Hall, which, um, as some of you might know, is a holiday centre, a Christian holiday centre, but also on the off times is a Bible school. So I've been at the Winter Bible School. That's amazing. Uh, that sounds awesome. And so, how has this Bible school, how has Capenry helped you on your walk with God? Um, it's helped me in a lot of ways. Well, first off, you have about six lectures every single day. Um, well, for working days, so Mondays to Fridays. And yeah, and there's just a range of topics that, um, that they cover. And also, the members of staff are really helpful. And if you are worried about anything or you have trouble with stuff, and you can go to them and, you know, they really approach it in um, basically a really faithful um, response. Um, and yeah, it's just, and just being around like-minded Christians as well has really helped in me and my faith. Good. That's really good to hear. And what's one thing that you've learned at Cameron that you didn't know before? <laughs> Well, when I went to Cape I thought, it's a Bible school, so surely I'm going to go in there and just be, um, you know, just given all this grand knowledge of this book of the Bible and just this, uh, these books of the Bible and just discover a lot and um, stuff that I've never realized before. But the one thing that I found uh, over the last four months or so that it's not really such that that they give you, it's they break it down into the very basic stuff. And they just build on that and expand on that, which has really captivated my interests, really, in some of those subjects. Oh, well, that sounds great, John. And do you have any ideas yet where Capenry may lead you in the future? What you might Short answer, no. <laughs> um, I, w- I have thought about this. Uh, I would like to um, stay on as an MA, which is basically... Um, what they're called ministry assistants, which are volunteers that help on and just help with the running of the Bible school um, throughout the year. So I might stay on for that, but who knows where God leads me. Okay, and lots of people have <laughs> Would you recommend Cape and here to their children? Uh, I would highly recommend Cape Marie. Uh, I've been going since I was really young and I've enjoyed every single time I've been there. Whether it's been on the holidays and there's great talks um, given by different lecturers during those holidays and also via um, the Bible school as well and it's just a lot of stuff that you can get out of it so I really recommend it. And is there any way Um, well, over the last about month or so, I actually haven't been sleeping well, so um, probably just prayer that I actually managed to get back into a good routine and managed to sleep well. I've been waking up at, um, you know, 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning for some reason, so just for some sleep. And then also just um, throughout the rest of the Bible school that I'll be able to catch up and um, stay on top of assignments that are given out and also just to um, 
you know, pursue um, my love of God and just get to know him a lot better while I'm at Cape Marie. Okay, and right, and thank you. Very soon. Um, the Tuesday, 27th. Don't worry, I'll be back. <laughs> but we'll be praying for you, and I'm sure you'll have a fantastic time. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ben. John, Ben, I wonder can we just pray for you now? And uh, let, let, let's pray for John. Father, we just thank you uh, for what you're doing in John's life at the moment. Lord, for the work of the Holy Spirit in his heart and in his mind. And Father, there's a lot to take in with six lectures every day. We just pray, God, that you would help him to soak it in. But Lord, to have a sense of peace, Lord, that's just a sense of peace that you have called him and he is there in your will. Father, we, help you, we pray that you would help him with his sleep, that you'd give him a peaceful night's sleep a good appetite, that he would build relationships with folk. But most of all, Lord, that you would anoint him with your Holy Spirit, that he might grow in you, grow in grace, grow to know a Savior more and more. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Okay, and, and John has requested a particular carol, Away in a Manger. So we're going to stand and worship God with this uh, infamous uh, carol. Sunday Club aren't with us this morning. They've, they're having a party, a Christmas party, over in the halls. So, uh, but uh, 
but the crash is still available if anyone uh, should need it. Let, let's pray. Matthew 1, 23, Matthew writes, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And part of St. Patrick's breastplate prayer envelops that idea of God with us. Let's pray. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Emmanuel, God, with us. This, Father, is what we truly celebrate about Christmas, the birth of your Son who would live to die that your image may be restored in us, that you might work in us, that you might work through us, that we would know your grace and your forgiveness, your presence, your love, and your peace. May we know and celebrate what it means to have Christ with us each and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Earlier in the week, I went round to Maureen Greer's, uh, and uh, she did a little video. I asked her what what uh, Carol that she she liked the best, and to say why. So I took a little video, and I'm not sure if we're getting it or not. Uh, we'll try it. We're okay with it. Okay. So then she'll introduce this this Carol to us, and we'll stand then and sing "O Little Town of Bethlehem." Mark asked me to pick a favourite carol and I struggled between two because I love two and one Silent Night and the other one's O Little Town of Bethlehem. But I've actually chosen O Little Town of Bethlehem. And um I'll just work through the work through the, the verses because there's so much in it. And the first one that's read the first one, you know, the first verse where it says the hopes and fears for the years are met in me tonight. And that always really struck me, you know, imagine that little baby and all our hopes and fears are taken by that little baby. And even that applies still today. You know, when you think of of Christ and how he takes our hopes and fears, it's just so lovely and gives us peace, which is lovely. I think too that why I like these two particularly is I think they're quiet. I love how quiet and peaceful they are and how they really bring you hope. And the part where it says, you know, the way we all go quiet and we sing, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. And it's not lovely that God gives us the blessings of his heaven 
and he's still doing that today. And then I love at the ending, you know, when our hearts cry out, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And that is our cry, and especially for our own wee little town of Bethlehem in this area, that, um, that Christ would come this Christmas and bring that peace and that hope to that whole neighbourhood, to those people that are needing it. And again, it's only God who knows them and it's only his spirit that can speak to them quietly and silently. The wondrous gift is given. Thank you. Let's stand and sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem.
If you have a Bible there, we'll open at John chapter 1, John 1 verses 6 uh, to 14. John 1 verses 6 to 14. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray a moment. Father, we just pray, God, that you would come by your Holy Spirit, that you would touch our hearts. Father, that we would uh, go home with something that you want us to retain and to be encouraged by and refreshed in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What would the world look like without him? You know, imagine for a moment that Christ was never born. What do you think our world would look like without Christ? I remember several years ago uh, when I was visiting someone in Waterside Hospital, I noticed this lovely ornamental nativity scene. There was a little stable, and there was a shepherd with a lamb, there was the wise man, and there was Mary on her knees beside the manger, and on the manger was a lovely blue blanket. But what I did notice was there was no baby Jesus in the, in the manger. Someone had either stolen him or they'd lost him, but there was no baby Jesus in that manger. Everything for a nativity scene, apart from the most central piece. What would the world look like without Christ? I want you to keep that question in the back of your mind for a moment. You know, God is a God of surprises. He's unpredictable. He's very unpredictable. What direction will he come from next? From the north or the south or the east or the west? Jesus refers to the Spirit of God as being like the wind. No one knows where it comes from. No one knows where it's going. God is unpredictable. You expect him to come from there. He comes from over here. You know, you expect him to arrive early, he arrives late. You expect him to arrive late, he arrives early. He's unpredictable. He's a God of surprises. And in this passage that we just read, we're told a little bit about John the Baptist. His father was Zacharias. He was a priest. There were thousands of priests in the temple, but he was a priest, and it, it fell to him his good fortune that he could go in on this particular occasion and... Uh, burn incense in the temple, which was a tremendous, a tremendous privilege. Um, so he, he enters to do his sacred duty, but he leaves unable to speak. So what happens? Well, as normally goes through the purification ritual washing, which was washing the arms right down to the elbows, and he went through all that, he puts on his priestly garments. Nothing is particularly different uh, from the routine of the average priest until we're told an angel of the Lord shows up. 
And I imagine in the course of your daily routine, if you met an angel of the Lord, the course of your day might just slightly vary from what you're planning to do. And so he's surprised. God surprises him. But the next surprise is what what, uh, the angel Gabriel says to him. He says, Zacharias, you're going to be a dad. Now, Elizabeth and Zacharias, they have have been unable to have children, and it's evident that they've been praying for it for a long time. Luke 1, 13, we're told, Angel Gabriel says, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So it's obvious that they've been praying for a child probably for a long, long time. And now this is going to happen Zacharias finds it incredibly hard to believe this, especially with his wife being so old. So I hope you take a wee lesson out of this, because sometimes we can be praying for something or praying for someone for a long time, and we are so tempted to give up and think, no, it's not going to happen. But just keep on pressing in with God, to God for your prayers. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. God might just, as a God of surprises, he might just answer your prayer when you're least expecting it. So six months later, after that we visit, uh, the Lord sends out Angel Gabriel again, um, but this time to someone else for another surprise. So he goes to Mary Um, And he tells her that she's going to conceive a child and he'll be great and he'll be the son of the most high and he'll be the Lord and he'll give, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He's going to be a tremendous, tremendous blessing uh, to everyone. And as, as we looked last week, you know, it was the test of faith for Mary and Joseph. Many questions probably running through their minds. Do we trust the God of surprises? He tells us we're going to have the Son. He tells us that he's going to be of God, that he's going to be everlasting Father, that he's going to be Savior. And look at us. Mary, my wife, is about 18 years old. You know, I'm Joseph. I'm just a carpenter. Do we really believe what's happening here? The God of surprises, do we trust him? And both of them do trust him. And they begin to make their way to Bethlehem. Um, you know, Mary had been told her son would be a king. And they, it doesn't look like it, though. They arrive in Bethlehem and everywhere's booked up and they end up in a stable. It's not exactly a palace. It's a stable. But the thing about it is that the star above that stable or cave, the star was God's signature that something very special was about to happen. It was God's signature on the whole situation that even though it looks quite smelly and dirty in the stable, it's not a palace, it's a manger, but yet God's signature, the star above, is God's print that this is something very, very special indeed. In fact, that his own son is someone very, very special and that Mary and Joseph would have all the protection they need. You know, sometimes life can look bleak. Sometimes we don't understand why God allows situations in our lives, and it's difficult. 
It's, I was talking to my sister yesterday about it and uh, just saying how difficult it is to accept sometimes when people get ill and we don't know why they're ill or when somebody loses someone. And it's hard going. It's hard going, trying to get your head around, why does God allow this to happen? Why does God allow it? And it can be dark and it can be lonely and it can be unpleasant at times. But God's closeness, his presence, is truly all we need for any situation. And some folk here will go through a difficult time this Christmas because they lost a loved one. My father was dead 30 years ago yesterday. And that's when my sister and I were just talking and how young he died. And we didn't, didn't seem fair. But sometimes you just have to trust him. Sometimes you just have to leave it with him. And uh, Paul writes in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? In those dark days, in those dark times, um, God's presence is what we truly need. And just as the star hanging above the stable signifies his presence, his promise to us is that he will never be far away. And indeed, like father, like son, Jesus has the nature of his father. He's unpredictable as well. Uh, Seen in his choice of disciples, he's not choosing men of great reputation or of religious standing. In fact, he, he, treat, he chooses the most uncouth men imaginable. But people follow this unpredictable Jesus everywhere. They don't know what each day is going to bring. You know, will he heal a blind man today? Or, or will he walk on the water today? Or will he school the Pharisees today? Or will he calm the sea today? And most surprising, perhaps, was his down-to-earth way of just talking to people about the love of the Father for them and telling them and assuring them, you know, I have your back. Don't be anxious about anything. Trust me. You know, so on the level with people. You know, the people were bound to be wondering, though, it must have been so exciting. I'd love to have been a disciple in those days. What's he going to surprise us with today? Today is going to be real different. What's he going to do today? And again, I ask you the question, what would the world be without him? What would it be like? What would our religious outlook be like without Christ? You know, Jesus spoke a lot about life, didn't he? I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And next surprise is he dies. The bread of life dies. The person who said he was the way, the truth, and the life, he dies. And the man who claimed to bring life hugs, uh, hangs on a cross and dies. And that is hard to get your head around if you're a disciple or if you're a family member. What a surprise. The disciples don't see that coming. Below the cross, where the blood falls, there's broken hearts. There's broken dreams. There's grief. There's great confusion. The reality of the cross stands before them and the sound of the nails being put into the master's hands echo through the air. And the running of the blood down the side of the cross stains the very grass below 
And you go, why is this happening? Surprise. But God being a God of of the unpredictable, God being a God of surprises, has another one in store. God would do the impossible. God would bring life to to death, out of death. God would bring life out of death. And as the women go to the tomb that Sunday morning, they're met with two angels who are absolutely, I'm sure, busting to tell what's happened. And they say to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. You know, on that day when they visit the tomb, boy, hearts beat faster, legs run faster as they want to tell the story to other people. Tongues get tired because they're talking so much about, listen to what we have to tell you. Jesus is risen. You know, you expect him to come over here, but he comes over there. You expect him to be dead, but he's alive. A God of surprises, a God who you can't ever pin down and say this is the way he works. What would the world look like without him? And what would your world look like without him? The the cynics may say the world would have been a more peaceful place if he'd never been born. Think of the wars which could have been averted, religious wars, the wars done in the name of Jesus Christ. Think of our own province. If Jesus had never been born, we'd never need a reformation. There wouldn't be Protestants. In fact, there wouldn't be any Catholics either. And would all of the troubles and the hostility we've had in Northern Ireland, would that be averted if Jesus had never been born? John Lennon, in his song, Imagine, desires peace, and he sees religion as being responsible for many wars. And he writes, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. And Richard Dawkins, who's a a science professor and a strong atheist in Oxford University, he lays the blame for much unrest in our world at the feet of religion. What would the world have looked like without Jesus? Would our world have been better off had he never been born? And you have to make up your own mind about that. But let me just say this. Many terrible things have been done in the name of Christ by people who have used his name for their evil deeds. It's absolute blasphemy against Christ to be involved in evil and claim that it has been done in his name as if somehow Christ gives his support. Many find it easy to lay the blame at the feet of a man who actually said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you and who spitefully use you. What would the world look like without him? Would we have been better off if he had never been born? You know, we're told throughout Scripture that we need a Savior. If we need a Savior, by its very definition, there's something that we need to be saved from. Luke chapter 2, 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Why a Savior? Why do we need a Savior if we don't 
need to be saved from something. The very implication of Savior is we need to be saved from something. So what do we need to be saved from? I'm going to show my age here. When I was a child, one of my favorite TV programs was Tarzan. And uh, the old black and white Tarzan was the best, the one with Johnny Weissmuller. Um, some of you probably remember him. And yeah, I got all the gear, well, the, the, the Tarzan knife and everyone was a wee lad. Tarzan was my hero. Uh, but out of all the dangerous adventures, such as fighting crocodiles and snakes, um, for me, the scariest episodes were always those where someone fell into the quicksand. And the more they tried to get themselves out of the quicksand, the more they sank and were entrenched in it. And the only way to get out was someone standing on solid ground, reaching down and pulling them out. And in John 1 verse 14, we read, And the word that is namely Jesus became flesh, and he dwelt among us. A literal translation of that in the Greek would be, And the word pitched his tent among us. He got the guy ropes out. He got the canvas out. He pitched his tent among us. He experienced what we experienced, yet he was different from any other man who ever lived or any other woman in that he's, he's able to stand on solid ground and pull us out. Pull us out. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But to be saved from what exactly? Well, really, to be saved from the consequences of our own sin, which separates us from God for all eternity, which casts us even one sin into an abyss of darkness, separation from God, from which the book of Revelation refers to as the second death. The first death is easy. It's the second death when we stand before God and without Christ. He says, I don't know you. So when Jesus grows from a child into a man, he's on a mission. He goes to the type of men and women that you or I would meet in the street or in the marketplace. He goes to them and tells them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I do bring life. I do bring hope. I do take my Father's hand, and I take your hand, and I reunite you. You know, in the gospel accounts, we see Jesus with the fishermen, we see him with the children and the tax collectors. We see him with the disfigured people. We see him with the lame, the deaf, the blind, the leper, the bereaved, the prostitute. Their Savior, their Messiah has come. To put his hand down and say, take my hand. I'll pull you out of the quicksand. Their Savior had come. And we, he can be our Savior ask for his forgiveness. We ask him just to receive him into our hearts and lives. We turn from sin and in faith we're told that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. You know, these past two years have been difficult years with the pandemic 
life has changed massively. You know, it's felt like we've been treading water. Not exactly knowing what is safe, where is safe, or what is solid ground. Many have been ill, many have died, many businesses have struggled or gone bust. Hopes and dreams have been shattered. And many tears have been shed. Many freedoms, many privileges which we've depended upon and built our lives upon, they've come tumbling down. But in the midst of it, God has been with us. In the midst of it. Before COVID, the term social distancing was probably a term that very few of us were familiar with. One thing is sure that throughout that whole pandemic and now and into our future, God never socially distances himself from you. You know, perhaps this morning, and sometimes Christmas can be a hard time for people. And you know the obvious reasons. That you, there's people that you bought presents for last year and you're not buying them this year. An empty chair. And it can be difficult. And it's possible to feel alone in a crowd. And it feels like everybody else is having a great Christmas, but in your heart you're dying. You're hurting. You feel insignificant. God is with you this Christmas, if you feel like that. Or God is with you this Christmas. The shepherds got a shock that night. Shepherds had been probably far down the list, religious list of importance. They often weren't even allowed into the synagogue because they didn't attend regularly. And some of them were a few wild boys. They'd often have been sort of like, they'd have been on the naughty list rather than the nice list. But that night, when God comes to them, using the angels to, to, to tell the message of his son, they are the first to hear it. Yet they felt so insignificant. God has not forgotten about you. For some of you this Christmas, it will be difficult. But God is with you. The God, God's grace, his loving kindness is there to surround you, to hold you, to comfort you, to embrace you. He is never far away. You know, it may not compensate for the loss you feel, but he certainly is our wonderful counselor. He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting father. He is our prince of peace. Would our world be better without him? Would it have been better if he had never been born? My question, my final question is, how is your life different because of him? Is he your savior? Or is he just a name on a Christmas card? Does his birth make any difference to you? We're told in scripture It's sin that separates us from God, but when you invite Christ into your life and ask him for forgiveness, you'll begin to experience him sometimes in dramatic ways, but almost often in small ways. If Christ came to knock, Christ came to knock the wall down and he came to reconnect you with his father 
in heaven. And I just want to, I just want to finish with a quote from an unknown author who wrote, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. A Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. And Lord, may the news that Christ is being born in Bethlehem, Lord, may it be as exciting today to us as he is born in our hearts, as he is, he comes within us, as we receive him as Savior and Lord. May the joy felt, Lord, by the shepherds and the wise men and those in the stable, Lord. May that joy be felt with us today. May we celebrate his birth. May we celebrate his existence, his presence in our lives each day. A Savior that we know now, Lord, came to die, that we might have life and have it more abundantly, even into eternity. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to sing with a good loud one, in case you've fallen asleep during the sermon. Hark the herald angels sing.
the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. And don't forget the Youth Fellowship have uh, wee decorations out there uh, that they've made themselves. And uh, if you'd like to give a donation, it's going to Cancer Research. Thank you.